Good evening. We greet you in the lovely name of Jesus tonight. Please turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter 1. It's been a long time since I've been here. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here with you again tonight. 2 Peter 1. And verse uh, 4 is talking about uh, having escaped the corruption of the world. And, uh, and we're going to start reading in verse 5. And uh, I'd like to think a little bit more about, uh, about uh, New Year's resolutions and how that affects us. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, uh, you know, we have a, a new year in front of us full of possibilities. Last year, maybe these things didn't go too well. We tried these things and uh, maybe we tried to lose weight or we tried to stop getting angry or, or something else. And this gives us these new ingredients for, uh, for how we're going to win this year, doesn't it? And, um, you know, it says that, uh, it says giving all diligence. That is, we need to work harder. You're not buying in, are you? I'm not buying in either. What's wrong with that picture? It doesn't work. That's what's wrong with it. Let's start over. Let's go back to the passage. And um, let's look at first... Um, before we get into the other, I'd like to look down at the last part and ask the question, um, why are we to give diligence? Yes, we are to give diligence, but why? It says we've escaped the world's corruption. What are the goals? What are the goals of giving diligence? Now, these are good things, okay? These are things that we are to give diligence for. They are things that are so important, it says that if we have these things, we, we will be successful. We will not be barren and unfruitful in the knowledge of God. These are important things. We will not be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, it says in verse 8. And, and in verse 9, it says that, we'll, that we will have vision. For he that lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. So these things bring us vision. They bring us victory. Verse 10, therefore, brethren, be even the more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. You're calling an election. You've been called by God. He has, he has called your name. He has made you his. And yes, we must believe. We must believe. We must submit to God. We must resist the devil. But it is God. God made the first move. God called your name. He called you to be a part of his family. 
There is, uh, so it, it tells us that it will make us fruitful, it will give us vision, it will give us victory, and it will give us eternal rewards. Verse 11, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you do these things, you, you will never fall. You will never stumble. You will never cease to, to be a follower of God. But the question I would like to talk about tonight is how do we get there? Now, we could spend all night, in fact, we could probably spend all week talking about that list of things that we read about. And, um, and I'm going to leave that for Brother Jay or, 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 or someone else. Because that's not what I want to consider mostly tonight. My question is, so we come up to a new year. We know that, that our life has not been perfect. We know there's some things God wants us to work on. In fact. But so often... So often we come up and we make a good start. We're a little bit like, like one of those, uh, like one of those uh, Fourth of July rockets. They, they, they take off with a great burst of energy and they, they go up and then they just blow out sparks and they fizzle and they drop back down to the ground and it's all over. Do you, is your life ever that way? Seriously? Sure it is. Be honest with me. My life is that way too sometimes. Maybe a lot of times. But what is the secret? What if, if God wants us to live in victory? If he, um, if he, <clears throat> excuse me, if he lays out this, this beautiful picture of what our life can be like, how do we get there? That's the question. Let's go back to, to the first part of the chapter. Back to verse 1. First of all, I'd like you to notice that, that, um, that Peter is talking to, uh, to those who have obtained faith. Verse 1, Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust." But also for this very reason, giving all diligence. We're going to stop there. Just wanted you to get you that, wanted you to have that connection. <clears throat> we have obtained faith by the righteousness of our God and our Savior Jesus Christ. We have obtained faith by the righteousness of Jesus. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us 
by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You see, it's the work of Jesus that we have obtained faith because of him, because of his work that he did on the cross. And so Paul is wishing them grace and peace. What is grace? Well, there's a, a, little, um, a little saying, Christ, God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. Now, Colossians 2, 1 says, I want you to know what great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and as many have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding. He talks about the riches, the riches, God's riches, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The, what is grace? God's riches. What are God's riches? You see, it was because, it was because Jesus bore our sins in his own body on the tree. It was because he paid the price that we could not pay. We could die for our sins, but we can never become righteous by dying for our sins. And so because, because he died to satisfy the wrath of Almighty God against sin, the righteousness of Jesus can be put on our account. Not only can it be put on our account, he gives us power to live a righteous life. Second Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, He who know no sin, he made to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God's riches for us. At Christ's expense. He is the one that paid the price. To make that happen. And so he, he wishes them grace. And he. Um, and peace. Peace. When we have peace with God. We don't have to be afraid of meeting God. Because. Because. The, the, the penalty for sin was satisfied. When we put our faith in Jesus, we can have that peace in our hearts. So no matter what happens to us, we know that when we meet Almighty God, we can do so in freedom and peace. We don't have to worry about what he's going to say when we meet him at the judgment. It's been paid for. And it's been paid in full. As a friend of mine says, what does the resurrection mean? What was God saying when he raised Jesus from the dead? He was saying, I'm satisfied with that blood payment. It's paid in full. It's done. It's over. And you can be free. 
So, but, but you know, sometimes we can be like a pauper. We, um, we might even have a million dollars in the bank, but if we don't know it's in there and we don't spend it, we're still broke, right? What good is a million dollars in the bank if you don't know it's there? And there's a lot of people that live their Christian lives that way. They've got all the riches of God and they don't know it. And they're constantly groveling around and asking the question, well, am I saved or am I not saved? Brothers and sisters, if you believe what Jesus did for you, it's paid. It's done. Take it to the bank. Spend it. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. In the knowledge of God. These come to you as you learn to know God. What a fitting song. My Savior daily walks with me because I trust his love. In all that's best his hand I see. It points to heaven above. That has to do with how, how we, I live our lives and how we see things happen and all that. My Savior holds my hand each day and tells me not to fear. When tempted to him I must pray for he is always near. On the gospel road he'll share my load. Sin can't my soul affright. And on we walk together. And he leads my steps aright. You see, these things come to us as we walk with him. They come to him, they come as we learn to know him. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Here we got knowing him again. We have all these gifts as we learn to know God. Who has called us by glory and virtue. And I found it interesting. King James says to glory and virtue. And this says by glory and virtue. And so I don't know which way it is. Maybe it's both. I wonder if it isn't both. And so the one that calls us by his glory and virtue calls us to glory and virtue. So what is glory and virtue anyway? The, uh, the, the word glory is the, is the word doxa that we get doxology from. Um, has to do with dignity, glory, honor, praise, and worship. And the, um, the, virt the word virtue is a word that means manliness or valor, excellence, praise. And virtue, that is our God. But it's not only our God, it's what he calls us to. And as we know God, he works these things out in our life. You see, knowing, knowing Jesus is a gift of God. It's something that we have as a gift. But it's also something we, we, uh, we exercise you see, God comes to us first. We love him because he first loved us. Right? But does that mean we ignore him? 
What kind of relationship do you have when you ignore your spouse? It's a lot of fun, isn't it? But there's another, there's another, uh, there's another trick there that the devil likes to trip us up in. You know, sometimes you, you, you realize, you come to a place in your, your married life and you all of a sudden realize things aren't going all that well. Any of you been there? I've been there. And, um, and, and so you, you start reading these books and you start trying to figure out what are we doing wrong here, you know? And so we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do something else. How does that go? Goes good, don't it? You can never find the right book. You know what your heart's longing for? It's longing for a relationship. That's what it's longing for. So you, you can bring your wife flowers, and that's a great thing to do. I recommend it, in fact. But if she knows you don't have her, that, that if she knows that, that she doesn't have your heart, how far does it go? It might, it might bring a little high, and it's like the rocket. It goes up and goes... It crashes and burns. Isn't that how it works? You know, she might give you the stuff that seems important to you, and it's great for a moment, and then where's it at? Well, I did all the right stuff, right? We, don't, we want our spouse's heart. And in those times that God allows things to come into your life when... when when you do something from the heart, you serve them from the heart, and all of a sudden they know they really care about me. And then all of a sudden things start to, the flame starts, and it starts to grow. And as you build upon it, and as you feed it, it gets to be a bigger and bigger flame. And what have you got? You got something you wanted all along. You see, that's the way it is with Jesus Christ. He, he loves you first. And he allows things to happen in, in your life to show you that he loves you. And then as you respond to that love, as you spend time with him, as you respond to it, and you grow in that relationship, and he allows other things to happen in your life, then all of a sudden we start having this relationship. And as we have this relationship, and then we have this stuff that we really wanted from the beginning. He gives us all things that pertain to, right, to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Have you ever wished what, you knew what those were? I've read that verse so many times. I said, Lord, what are all those promises? I just wish they would come popping up in my head like popcorn, but they, they sometimes, they just elude me sometimes. Have you ever felt that way? Or maybe it's just me. Um, but what is the point of the promises? That by these, if I can find my spot, that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the, the corruption that is in the world through lust. So let's just talk about some of these promises. Can we do that? And I'm going to share with you some of some of the ones that we talked about at home 
And then maybe you have some that, that come to your mind. So you be thinking about them too. And, um, and maybe we'll, we'll have time for a few of those. So what about Romans 10, 9? It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Isn't that a precious promise? He doesn't tell you you have to crawl down the road or something else. He says, I want you to come and put your faith in me. 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He talks about walking in the light as, as God shines his light of his, of, the, of his word and his Holy Spirit in our life. And we walk in the light as he gives us light. We respond to his Holy Spirit. We respond to his word. And you see, as you do that and as I do that, what does he promise that's going to happen? We're going to have fellowship with each other. When our fellowship is broken, you know what's wrong? One of us isn't walking in the light. You mark it down. But here's the promise, that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we'll have fellowship with each other. It's just that simple. And then what does it tell us? The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That cleanses is a continual cleanses. It's like living under the spout. It's like living under the shower head. You can't get dirty under the shower head. You keep getting clean. A couple verses later, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't we, so, aren't we so glad for that verse? How many times do we need that? I need it an awful lot. We know that we can come to him and we can say, Lord Jesus, I messed up. It's taken care of. We don't have to crawl down on our knees and, 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 you know, and, and do all the right stuff for 10 times so we're, we're forgiven. It's done. It's clean. He wipes it off. Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation or your walk of life be without covetousness and be content with such things as he have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. It doesn't matter if things go wrong. He's going to be there. We go to the Great Commission. He says to make disciples of all nations. And, and, and then he ends with this promise. And lo, I'm with you always. Even to the end of the age. James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not or, or doesn't, um, what's the other word, um, doesn't criticize us, doesn't chide us, I think would be a, a good way to say that. And it will be given him. How many of you lack wisdom? Let me see your hand. It's okay to ask. He's got it. 
The Beatitudes, how many of those have promises with them? John 16, 13, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. He will guide you into all truth. Now I'd like to show you just a couple passages from scripture that, that shows how this has, was happening. Um, Paul's writing to the Thessalonians and he says, as touching brotherly love, you don't need that I write to you for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. He said, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things, right? And, and Paul's saying, the Holy Spirit has taught you how to love each other. I don't even have to teach you that. Isn't that amazing? 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, The Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. What are we talking about? We're talking about, uh, we're talking about knowing him, right? We're talking about being in his presence. We behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Another promise. John 14, verse 2, In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. Yeah. I don't think that's quite the real meaning. I th this is what I think it means. I think it was a translation thing. I'm going to tell you what I think it means. And maybe you can tell me I'm wrong and you'll straighten me out. And that's fine. Maybe, maybe you understand something here I don't understand. I think he was saying... In my father's house are many, and I think the, root, the word might be rooms. In other words, there's enough room for everybody. I think that's the, that's the concept. If it were not so, would I have told you I'm going to go, uh, would I have told you I'm going to go pr prepare a place for you? If there wasn't enough room, would I have told you I'm going to go pr prepare a place for you? In other words, I told you I'm going to go do it. If there wasn't enough room for you, do you think I would have told you I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get things ready for you? I think that's sort of the, the, the message he's, he's telling us. He's telling us there's enough room for you. And there's enough room for anybody you can bring along. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Okay. A few minutes. Was there any promises that you thought of while we were talking about these? First Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear. A powerful one, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Good. Good. 
okay? And if he holds your hand, you won't, you won't get loose, will you? Yeah. yeah, if we hold on to him, we might slip off. But when he holds our, our hand, we're secure. Yes, amen. What else? Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Yes. First John 5, 13. These things I have written to you, you believe in me, and that for the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. All right. All right, good. Good. You can know that you have eternal life. Isn't that, isn't, that a, isn't that a comfort? We don't have to wonder. Yes, that's right. You know, I don't think that we have to wonder if we're going to make it to the other side either. I'm not saying that a person can never lose their salvation. But what I'm telling you is that God wants you to, to get there a whole lot more than you want to get there. And Jesus is going to do everything possible to get you there. If you miss going to glory, it's because you turned around and you walked away and you were too stubborn. You're not going to easily fall out of your salvation. That's just nonsense. I'm sorry. Sorry to say it so bluntly, but, but there's some people that think that you're, that you're going to, uh, one day you're saved and the next day you're lost and you've got to make sure. That, all right, there's a term that I've heard lately. Uh, make sure I have everything under the blood, okay? It needs to be, okay? Not saying it doesn't, but there's a certain aspect of focusing on trying to get, keep everything under the blood that is, that is not taken into consideration the fact that when you are a believer, it is under the blood. Now that doesn't mean that you don't come to God and confess when, when you have things that are wrong. You, you need to. You need to, to keep your relationship with God active. But God, there is, a, there is a security. Well, let's just go back to the marriage thing. So, Jay, when... Once in a while, you, you'll mess up and you'll say something to your wife in a way you really shouldn't do it, right? Did you? Yeah, yeah. Do you cease to be married at that point? You don't. Why not? Not how it works, is it? You don't cease to be a Christian the moment you mess up either. Now, if you, you act nasty enough to your wife for long enough... She might have to find another place to be because she can't put up with you, okay? But it has to be, get pretty bad, right? We don't know when that point is with us and God either. God only puts up with so much foolishness. But, but we don't easily fall out of our relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants you in heaven. I'm sorry, I'm sidetracked. We're talking, about the, we're talking about the gifts, aren't we? The gifts that um, these great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature. These make us partakers of God's nature. 
That's what divine is. It's God's nature. God wants to put the, the nature of Jesus in your life. God is not satisfied for you to claim his name and then go live for the devil. That's not his purpose. When you, go, when you claim to be a Christian and you go live for the devil, I'm not sure you're a Christian. Now, well, we get off in the weeds if we're not careful. Um, we'll leave that for now. But God wants his divine nature to be evident in your life. And when you are walking with God and when you have a relationship with God, that nature is going to happen in your life. It's going to take on God's nature. We're going to see the fruit of the Spirit. And there's something that was pointed out to me this afternoon that the fruit of the Spirit is something we reap. It is something we reap as a result of our relationship with God. It's not something we create. It's something that God creates in us. And it's something that we can, that we find as part of our life when we walk with him. We have the list of things that we read earlier. The, um, the, the uh, faithfulness, he says, add to your faith virtue or valor. Um, and, and then there's the, the knowledge, the self-control, the endurance, the godliness, the holiness, the, um, the brotherly love or the Philadelphia and the charity. These are, things that, these are things that happen to us that become a part of our life when we walk with him. And as we learn to know him, through them we escape the world's corrupting influence. We talked about that. You know, we hear a lot about worldliness, or at least we used to when I was little. And we, we come up with all kinds of tools to try to help us escape the world. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that when we know him, when we know him, when we, when we lay hold upon his great and precious promises, that we will have his nature be a part of us and we will escape the corrupting influences of the world. That's how it works, brothers and sisters. You can't pick yourself up by your bootstraps and you can't do it spiritually either. It's not going to work. We've tried it. What's the takeaway with this? The takeaway is you will never get there by working harder. It just isn't going to work. You'll just frustrate yourself. <laughs> it's a little bit like I heard somebody say something about, um, about washing a pig. Said, um, and I wish I could quote it exactly, but I said the only thing you're going to do is frustrate the pig. And, and you know, when you, uh, when, you try to, uh, when you try to get there and you try to obey God and you try to, to put on the, the, uh, the, the um, fruit of the Spirit by working harder and you try to create all these things, you're just going to frustrate yourself. He says give diligence, okay? We're expected to give diligence. But remember, it happens through knowing Jesus. 
Jesus already did it. And we, and when we are, the Bible talks about being in Christ. And it's a little bit like I have, I've illustrated before, that when we are in Christ, it's just like, it's just like you put something in a book. And you put it in a book, and where you put the book, the paper is. You put the book on the floor, the paper's on the floor. You put it in your, not in your pocket, it won't fit. But if you, if you could, it would be in your pocket. And when you are in Christ, what happens to him happens to you. You, are, you enter into his death. You enter into his resurrection. It becomes a part of your life. It changes you from the inside out. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He says, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, now so we're talking about pressing toward a goal, right? That's us again, right? That's Paul. Paul says, I'm pressing. How does he press? If we go back to Philippians chapter 3, he, um, well, let's, uh, yes. You see, he was, he was called of God. He was, he was pressing to be everything God called him to be. And, and if you go on down, you will notice that he, he says that if, if there was something missing, he could count on God to reveal it. If there's anything else, God will reveal this to you. He lived up to what he already knew and attained to. He didn't wander back in the old life. But what was the secret of Paul's success? If you go to the first part of, chapter, of um, Philippians 3, you'll notice that he had no confidence in the flesh. What did that mean? If you follow down his list, you'll find he did not trust in his heritage. He did not trust in his lineage. He did not trust in his theology. And he did not trust in his performance. I'm going to give it to you again. He did not trust in his heritage. He didn't trust in his lineage. He didn't trust in his theology. And he didn't trust in his performance. Look at it. They're all there. But what did he trust in? What was Paul's secret to overcoming life? It says, the things which were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord. He wanted to know Jesus. Here we come back to the knowing Jesus again. It's just everywhere in scripture when you start looking for it. For whom I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. There's the concept of being in him again. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law or obeying the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him. There it is again. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. And I'd like to submit to you, brothers and sisters, 
that if you will learn to know the Savior, you will have all the motivation and the power that you need from, for any task because in knowing him, you will be like him. And when you're like him, you will be able to add to your faith or your faithfulness, which that's the same word. You will be able to add virtue or valor. You'll be able to add knowledge. To that, you'll be able to add self-control and endurance and God-likeness and holiness and brotherly love and charity. Don't try harder. It won't work. But if you learn to know Jesus, you'll have it all. God bless you. I'll turn the time back to the brother.